listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and today joining me from Spanish Love Songs, we have Dylan Slocum. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad I was able to get you for an interview. I've been wanting to talk about this album for a while now. Uh, like I like a lot of people, like, I feel like a lot of people have discovered you for the first time with this album. Would you say that's an f- accurate statement? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we've definitely, it's the biggest that we, it's the biggest reach we've ever had. Um, and you know, we had two pretty awesome tours to start out this album cycle with, you know, again, with two of the bigger bands in our scene. So yeah, that's a, that's a fair assumption. And it's, uh, that's good to hear. That's the reason why uh, why we made the jump to Pure Noise and did all the things that we've been doing. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's go back to uh, the beginning before uh, Brave Faces, everyone. Uh, like I said, like you're you're a new ur band, but you've been around a while. Like, talk to me about how the band got started and you know the early days of Spanish love songs, if you will. Yeah. So I mean. We're coming up on like seven years almost, um, but not like serious band. But yeah, we, we uh, our former bass is Gabe, and then Ruben and I played in a band in Los Angeles, and that band just kind of broke up. Uh, and I had some songs that I had lying around, and I, you know, asked them if they wanted to do a band, do, do a band, uh, if they wanted to keep playing <laughs> in a band. And uh, they said yes, and so that kind of became the beginning of what of what we are now. Um, so we play as a three piece for that whole first year. I mean, we play, we play like one show and wrote songs. Uh, and then 2014 Kyle joined and then we spent most of 2014 still just kind of writing songs and not doing much, playing a few shows here and there. Uh, and then yeah, kind of put on our first album in 2015 and that's when it started, you know, started taking it a bit more seriously. And I'd say well, by the time we did the reissue in 2016 with Wiretap Records and Meredith joined the band is when we, I count us as doing it, being an official band. Because before that, like, if we had a job come up, we would, you know what I mean, we would bail on band stuff. So, like, we did our first, like, our first string of tour dates in, like, towards the end of 2015, and then I left for five months to work on a movie. So, oh, wow. like, I don't, I don't consider that to be like a, a serious band uh, <laughs> if, if if people are leaving for almost half-year-long jobs. Um, but yeah, so off and on for like seven years now. I'm just curious, was that like just soundtrack work or were you actually in a movie that, you know, we might... Oh, no, I... I was a I was an assistant to a director. Oh, okay. Uh, it wasn't, any, wasn't anything cool. I wish it was soundtrack work. That'd be amazing. But no, <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was just, uh, just getting people coffee. Huh, all right. Well, let's start. Uh, let's start. Let's talk about the new album, uh, "Brave Faces." Everyone, uh, what were your mm-hmm. thoughts going into this one versus Schmaltz? Um, it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think largely was like, "Don't, don't screw it up." I feel like that's probably <laughs> the best. Uh, I don't know. It was the first time we had people care about what we were doing before we recorded a record, so that was that was fun. Um, but largely, you know. It, it's always the same type of thing, which is a writing songs to satisfy myself. And then B when I take it to the band, making sure those songs satisfy the band. Um, beyond that, it's like, 
who cares? But we're, we're usually pretty, if like, if we're happy, we know that at least somebody will be happy somewhere. Uh, or at least we hope so. But it, it, and even if the case, if everybody else hated it, but we still liked it, like we can, we can sleep at night if we can, you know what I mean? If we can live with what, what we've done, then that's, that's really all that we're ever really thinking about, you know, then like a broader scale, you know, just really focused, just was really more focused on like the songwriting and, uh, more of the stories to tell as opposed to Schmaltz, which is very much just like, let me shout about being a piece of crap for 40 minutes. <laughs> One thing I really like about the new record is even if the stories at time on it can be very sad or heavy or abrasive in some ways, like the, the mm-hmm. record feels very warm and human. Like what were you trying to tap into lyrically? Like were these real stories you're trying to tell or were, yeah. were these just situations you were seeing and writing about? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Mostly were based on people I knew or characters that I had kind of formed based on experiences I had seen. Um, but I think that warmth was just us trying to tap in, you know, both musically and lyrically into some sort of greater empathy. Uh, and I think that's kind of the common thread that's running through. So I, I do think that, you know, I, I tried not to, to pass judgment on anything that I was writing about. You know, it was definitely more just like... Uh, like, here's the story for what it is, and if whatever baggage you bring is whatever you're going to take away from the song. But I, I have been, it's been a really positive response. People have said that, you know, even though it's a bleak album, that they still find some type of positivity in it. And to me, that was important because, you know, these, these, are, these are regular, like, everybody's just a regular person who's struggling with something. And like I said, if, if, you, if the only thing you take away from a sad song is that it's sad, then... I, I mean, that's fine, but I don't know if I did my job well in that case. That's an interesting way to look at it. Like, you, you, you're, you're, the, you're the, the, the bard of this song, if you will. And it may be a sad song, but ultimately you bring your own feelings to the story. So that's kind, of, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's the same reason why I hate explaining what songs are about to people, um, because it's usually not as cool of an interpretation as they <laughs> will have for themselves. And uh, I'm... I'm a firm believer in that. It's like, I can write about whatever I want, but whatever you interpret it as is what, is what it's going to mean to you. So, you know, that's at, at that point, it's out of my hands and it's in your hands, which is why I think I'm writing, I'm writing songs to satisfy myself. And then, you know, the act of sharing them with everybody is hopefully it satisfies you in some way for like, I have my stories and my connections to the songs and I thought they were interesting. So maybe you might want to listen to them and maybe you find them interesting. Maybe you don't, but you know, so far we've been lucky. Nice. Uh, another thing, I noticed certain songs on the record, like obviously, you know, there's Losers Part 1, there's Losers Part, Losers Part 2, but there's also some songs that kind of seem to be counterparts of each other, like Self-Destruction as a Sensible Career Choice versus Optimism as a Radical Life Choice. Was that kind of mm-hmm. intentional? Like, did you like write one and feel like, okay, I got to write like a counterpart to it? Or did they just kind of happen organically? You know, <laughs> a lot of that just has to do with titling it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so self-destruction and optimism, those were not the original titles, but they're titles that I enjoyed. <laughs> uh, and by placing them in opposition to each other, they do kind of link up and you kind of read them as, as two sides of the same song. And same thing with Losers 2. Losers 2 was not called Losers 2 um, until late in the process. I'd already recorded it even. It was called like it was called Last One Standing. Um 
and I knew that they were ba- it was that they were literally taken from the same lyrics like document I had on my computer. I just like spewed a bunch of stuff when I was writing it, and I had a bunch of leftover. But I, yeah, we had a completely different title. But that I was looking for a reason beyond it, like fitting contextually with the songs, but like for a very good reason for losers to be on the album, because um, we knew we wanted it on there, but it felt not necessarily the most organic choice to us because we're, we're we're very much not about like looking into the past. Uh, but in order to like kind of justify it, I was like, well, if we have losers too, then it makes sense why losers one is on the album. <laughs> Um, especially kind of placed closely to each other. And, and then that kind of gave me the the kind of feeling that we could get away with re-recording Losers and, and doing with it, you know, making it fit in the context of the rest of these songs because it, it was too important of a song to just leave on a 7-inch. So that was a that was a standalone originally. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, Losers or the song, yeah, Losers, Losers 2. One. Losers oh, one. yeah, I, Losers One was on the seven inch with a song called No Reason to Believe, which um, I think also could have been on the album, but it was musically a bit different. It was more kind of like a Heartland, not Heartland, but like a <laughs> definitely more of like a Bruce Springsteen type song, which like in my heart of hearts would be a cool thing to do and just write like some, you know, four chord Americana kind of rock. And maybe we'll get to that point. But as we were writing this album, uh, not that it's not four chord. Americana punk rock. <laughs> this was a little bit in my head, a little bit heavier than that direction was. <laughs> heavier is the wrong word, but like it had something else happening in it than just kind of like Tom Petty chords, you know. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we can. I don't know. I I say hopefully we can get back to the sound, but I have no idea what the next thing is going to sound like. <laughs> so it's you know that might just be the one off where you're like, oh, that was when they wanted to be Tom Petty for a song, and then they didn't. I will say, as someone who originally grew up in North Dakota, the record does kind of have a Midwest, like, fall sweater sweater, sweater weather feeling to it. So I do think that does oh, that's come really funny. music. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. I, uh, I'm i not from the Midwest. I'm from California, so oh, wow. it's, it's great. <laughs> I get accused of sounding like I'm from Minnesota often, or uh, I think it's also just because of how I look, but just like a tall dude in a flannel. Um <laughs> But no, I, I think that's great. I uh, I grew up. I guess it. I it's such a dumb, the heartland is such a dumb term because <laughs> yeah. like the heartland, like this is like somehow they're the beating heart of the country. Like the Midwest is the beating heart of it. The, like there's dipshits all over. Like there's not one part of the country that's necessarily more important than another part. So when I hear heartland, I just get so mad. But it is. It does describe a certain type of rock. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. heartland rock. It's a you know. Yeah. It's, so it's, I throw that term around. And, hate it when i use it <laughs> no i know what you're coming from because because like i i like i said i know exactly what it's like to go up there and like people have that attitude to to their like this is oh, the yeah. heartland like you know this is like the best place to be it's the middle of everywhere where there's crystal meth and and cows and people acting like gangsters everywhere that's but you also I mean, just described where i'm from in southern california I and mean, that's the <laughs> secret right it's like every place has this there's nothing special about any one place other than like you know social mores and customs and stuff like yeah. that, but like if you're taking it from like a broad spectrum view, like there's not one part of the country that's the heartland, and also that implies that there's like a brainland part of the country. You know what I mean? <laughs> like New York and LA are like this is the brain of the country. You guys are the heart of the country, and then Florida's the ass of the country. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the implication. Um, 
I'm just kidding about Florida. I think Florida's a fun place. <laughs> uh, it's just so easy. To, it's so easy it, to poke fun it, It's easy to poke fun in Florida, and it always will be. Um, yeah. Speaking of Florida and beaches, uh, beachfront property. <laughs> it's one of my, <laughs> that's one of my favorite tracks on the record. Uh, the second verse of that song hit me really hard, that line about someone bringing a bag into the movie theater, and we all kind of going, holy well, we shit, for a second. Like, you know, like, we all wonder, are we going to be next? Like, yeah. Like, talk a bit about that song, um, that second verse was a tough one. I had a hard time getting it nailed down. Um, I had a lot of those lines written down for a long time. And I think in the, in, in the scope of the record and the story of that song, that's maybe one of the few times that it's more me shining through than, than necessarily the character of that song shining through. I mean, I shine through all over it because of like, and no matter how much you try to write about other people, you're just writing about yourself. But um, I mean, those are all just very real things, you know, like I go, I love, I mean, I wanted to work in film and I love, I love going to the movies. It's maybe one of my favorite things on earth, but you know, ever since kind of the Aurora shooting and stuff like that, like since then it's been like a steady tick of like any time I'm in a movie and somebody comes up with a backpack, I am just on edge, which is not dumb, but it's also kind of a stupid way to live your life. Um, and I'm just, I'm just a type of person who's constantly on edge. Yeah. So I think, you know, that kind of, that kind of plays into it. It's just the whole point of that verse is just kind of like getting swept up in these modern anxieties, I guess. And, you know, it, just because you can point them out doesn't mean that they, it lessens it anyway, you know? And then the back half of that verse is me doing that thing that I hate where I'm writing about the music industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was a good one too. Singing some nostalgia songs, like, you know, we, they, they try and cram that down our throats very much so. Yeah, well, I think I was in, a, I saw something, we played a show in Brooklyn, in, no, in Queens, we played a show in Queens, and we got kicked out, like, no, it wasn't Queens, what freaking show was it? I forget, we played a show, and we were trying to sell merch, and very quickly we got booted out, so that they could set up an emo night, and that emo night was how they were going to make their money for the night. Hmm. And it was, it was... The same demo, like the same age of people that were at our show, but just a different version. Right. And it was very frustrating because it's like you assholes could have paid to see real live music being played by people who are actually doing something. This isn't just us. This is the bands that open for us or anybody that deals with us playing very interesting stuff that is new instead of just listening to that Taking Back Hyundai taking back Sunday song that makes you feel comfortable because you liked it when you were a freshman in high school. And to me, that's annoying as hell, but I can sit and complain in the entire verse of a song and everybody's like, yeah, so what? Who cares? Like play it like play us nostalgia songs. It makes us feel better (laughs) because we're so upset about modern life. And I, I understand the appeal of nostalgia. Uh, and I also hate it. So it's like, what do you, what do you do with those emotions? You know, you do nothing. You complain about it. I know what you mean. I feel like we're both in this kind. Of, we're in that smaller boat of like, like I'd rather hear the new song than like I'd hear make Dan Shore for the moment of time. So I get yeah, that very I, much. Even with Taking Back Sunday, is a bad. It's not a bad habit. I I find it to be a, a interesting thing that I do is if a band puts out a new album, I very rarely want to go listen to their old albums. Not because necessarily the old albums or the new albums are better. A lot of times they're worse. <laughs> but I'd rather hear something that I, you know what I mean, that isn't tied to a time in my life. Like, 
I'd rather listen to the new, what I would argue, not for me, Taking Back Sunday album, than listen to Tell All Your Friends for the millionth time. Because honestly, that album's not for me anymore either. Because it was, it's what? When did that come out? Oh three. It's like seventeen years old. Very early two thousands. Yeah, I don't need to be listening to something that I listened to seventeen years ago with the same intensity that I would listen to something now. And you know, that's just that's just me. You know, and I understand the comfort that like you know how the story's going to end. You know how the song's going to end. You know how the song's going to make you feel. You know it's not going to suck. You know it's going to be good. It's going to remind you of. I don't know. Maybe also because in that time I was just an emo kid who like wasn't happy. So like I, I don't listen to Taking Back Sunday to feel happy. Right? That yeah. reminds me of being a dork in high school. That, that's good though. It's nice to hear someone else say that because like I'm 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 very much the same way. So yeah, that was very, that was really good to hear you say that. Uh, <laughs> one more song specifically I wanted to ask you about was uh, Dolores, just because it's so different from the from the rest of the album. It's kind of floaty. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can see what's going on. It's kind of dreamlike and like things are moving in slow motion. Like I can see it when I close my eyes. Like how did that one get started? Because, because it seems like you, you said this earlier, you write this, you kind of write the songs and you bring them to the band. So I imagine like you start with the lyrics and like, then you start coming up with the music. How did that end up becoming such like a more airy, like gentler piece? So that was probably the last song I wrote for the record. Um, I, I just had like an acoustic riff and I took the band and we started playing it and when we started playing it the original version is very kind of jumpy and like four on the floor almost like gaslighting up to me um, with just the same chord progression and a slightly different structure and we we, pre, we did pre-production on it like all the way through like this is the version of the song this is what we're going to do and it just wasn't fitting sonically with the rest of the album and it was in a different key because most of the album's in one of two keys and that was intentional um and it was in a different key like a wildly different key and just a lot of the stuff and so like a week before we were going to the studio i just said i don't like this um i don't want to put this out as is and so we were recording drums and like after the first night of recording drums, I was back in the, we did drums in, in Orange County. So we had to like rent an Airbnb. Mm. So we were doing three days down there. Uh, I was back in the Airbnb with Ruben with like my little, um, uh, like little keyboard, like pad keyboard, like almost like an Ableton type thing. Um, and I was like just drumming out little piano parts and like trying to structure it. And I had this idea for this kind of slow song with these, with this kind of drum thing at the end, um, inspired by some other songs that I really enjoy that kind of do that. And everybody's like, I don't know. And then like it was day three of recording drums and we got done pretty early with all the stuff that we knew we wanted to do. So we spent the rest of the day working on that and kind of, we just kind of grabbed as much drums as we thought we would need, you know, like different parts, like, uh, like, the boom, 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 and that, and the crashes and the little rolls, those are all different takes. Um, and Kyle kind of built it together. But we kind of figured out in the studio that it would just kind of be those guitars and kind of come through. And yeah, I, th- I think it does It does come across as different because it was definitely us trying to do something different than just like, here's a rousing rock song. I feel like I wanted to do something that kind of fit the kind of subject matter a little bit more closely. Um just because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like the type of song that's like, 
yeah, you know what I mean? It's about mass shootings. And not that it needed to be sad, but it, it shouldn't have been quite as anthemic either. Um, and so then we laid it down and it kind of became, yeah, it's like a weird little indie song. I get like huge, the shins vibes at the end, uh, personally, which is funny. Uh, and then when Kyle, we were, we were doing keys on it, um, back at the apartment. And I asked Kyle to grab radio, like police scanner audio from actual mass shootings. And we kind of layered those underneath. And that's when it got kind of spooky. Um, and that's what that kind of underneath is because we didn't know, uh, what we were and weren't allowed to use. So we just mangled it until you could understand it. But it's actually like, um, I think it's the Odessa shooting and then two other shootings that had happened right around that time. Just the police scanner kind of smashed together and then verbed out. And, uh, so yeah, it doesn't, it means nothing when you're listening to it, but it also kind of, I think plays into that. Yeah. Like I like that you call it like dreamlike where you're just kind of floating through the song because it's definitely like floating through an emergency room as I, you know, as anybody who's been in a hospital on a stressful night, it all be kind of, it all kind of blurs together. Right. Right. That's cool. I, I always thought it did have an eerie vibe too, so I think you definitely pulled that off. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, one thing I want to talk—I want to talk about touring too. But before we get to that, I have one more mm-hmm. kind of question about the record, and that is, I've heard mm-hmm. people call this the perfect album for 2020. You know, and with 2020 kind of being what it is, you know, between Trump and COVID and everything like that, I was curious yeah. what you thought of that assessment. <laughs> um, I mean, it's incredibly flattering. And it's it's funny in a very dark way. Um, I've had people ask me, and it sounds pretentious when I say it, but I've had people ask me like, "How did you know that like this would be such a bad like you know what I mean like this is the perfect album for how shitty things are?" And my response is always like, "No, things have always been this shitty, but a, a global pandemic just highlights it. Like it just amps it up a little bit, but like." Things have always been bad for, like, not always, but no, historically, things have always been bad for the working class. Things have always been bad for minorities and people of color. Things have always been bad for different segments of the population. Like, none of this is new. You know, like, global warming has been happening, you know. Uh, Different than, you know, I'm trying to think of what else is in the news today that's stressing people out. You know, meat shortages or this or that, you know, being forced back to work, even though you might die because you might get sick. Like, that's the history of humanity. But so, like, talking about social issues that have existed last year doesn't really predict 2020 other than saying, like, well, things have always been this way. So now we're just kind of putting a magnifying glass to it. Um, but that being said, it is incredibly flattering because, I mean, if, if people are listening to it right now, and my, I've been shocked at the amount of people that want to listen to it with everything going on. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I personally haven't wanted to listen to it. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm a little bit different yeah. as the person who made it. But, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't even listened to music because most of the music I listen to is extremely, I don't know, bummer. <laughs> bummer music so you know i mean it's great i'm glad people are continuing to listen and i'm glad people can find kind of solace and hope in it that's um that's really cool and you know yeah i, I, I think that's I, a weird we, it's almost, funny oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I, was just, I think there's a weird reverse psychology about it almost because 
I've noticed that I'm the opposite of most people. Like when it started to get kind of hairy, like I started pulling out my Nine Inch Nails albums again, which I've listened to <laughs> in years. I pulled out my Manson records, uh, heavier stuff, and that's what I've been listening yeah. to lately. So I think there is. A I've weird... been. I've been. Yeah, I don't know. I've been listening exclusively to kind of like early dance music. So I'm in a much <laughs> different headspace. But I, I will say that like when we were when I was pitching the album to everybody when I was starting to write the lyrics, I said I want to write an album for the end of the world, and you know <laughs> I didn't realize like, how apt that might be. It was just kind of a fun pitch to get everybody on board with what we were doing because it was a little bit different than Schmaltz. You know what I mean? If I'm like, hey guys, so we're not going to have four minute songs about me going like I suck and I'm sad, you know? Well, that's what got us the attention that we had gotten thus far. So it's like, it's a, it's kind of a big change up. I'm like, I'm not writing a single song about me. Bye. Um, but I'm like, don't worry. It's an album for the end of the world. So it was very funny that my pitch came true. <laughs> that is interesting. They say, be careful what you wish for, but I think it's just yeah. good timing. I think it's just good timing. It's an appropriate you know moment for it to come out. I think, uh, yeah. unfortunately though, uh, I want, I want to talk a bit about touring and I know there was a, there was a tour scheduled, and then COVID and everything went crazy. You were out with uh, the Wonder Years for a minute. And I know the dates have been rescheduled, and obviously shows are going to look really different going forward. But uh, given that each state, city is kind of handling everything differently, do you think you're still going to be able to go out and play this summer, or you're not even sure yet, or what's going on there? Um, I would say, like, my gut says no. Um, but... The country is reopening, uh, however stupid that may be, and that opens up kind of a different can of worms for us. Because um, I don't like I don't want to right now, you know. Like July is not far away. July twenty second is not far. And Meredith, Meredith and I were talking about this yesterday, actually, and I was like, I mean, this is what this is what we do. This is our job, and like people are going to need this. And that feels like something that we should want to do but as it currently stands like i don't really want to tour until it's safe um so i mean as of now the dates are still scheduled and i know we're like looking at other dates in case it has to move again uh, and we really want to do that tour in particular with future teens and dollar signs yeah um, so we'll get it done. It's just a matter of when, uh, but like I said, as of now it's on, I just, I don't like, we don't know what's happening because things change so much on like a weekly basis. So I think by early to mid June, we'll have a better idea. Cause my, the big thing for me is like, yeah, the, the dates in, you know, Tennessee or the date in Minnesota or whatever might be open, but uh, there's a very high likelihood that the dates in like New York, Boston, Philly, LA and Chicago will not be happening. Cause those are big venues. Like they're not under a hundred people, you know what I mean? And so without those five markets, the tour becomes uh, a lot less viable financially. Right. Um, just because bigger shows, bigger guarantees, more people, more merch, like those types of shows anchor an entire tour. So that, like as much as we love playing Salt Lake city, we're, you know, historically we're, probably going to break even that day you know what i mean rather than actually so if you don't have the bigger markets then there's a very good chance you're losing money and losing money when 
we're not working to begin with is a very tough thing to sell to everybody. Um, so we'll see. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. So that's a pretty unique place to be because uh, we're getting to the point where we're like we're planning a year ahead now, um, which is yeah. cool. It's where you want to be as a band. <laughs> when a pandemic hits, it's very hard to plan a year ahead. So uh, I'd say TBD. Um, I mean, we'll be the first to tell people if they're if they're canceled or not. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a weird fingers crossed cause I want to play, I want to get out there and like do our thing for people, but I also don't want anybody to get sick on account of having to, of wanting to come see us live. Like I couldn't, not just the band, like if a fan came and got sick, that would destroy me. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I know how you feel. Like I feel the same way. I really want to see you guys live. I've never seen you guys perform live before. And you do have a San Diego date, but yeah, if it's not, you know, if it's not looking good, I, like I couldn't even see like even if it was on myself going, just being honest. So yeah. yeah, where's that? Where's that San Diego? The soda bar? Yeah, the soda bar. No way in hell. Like that place is too small. I haven't been to that venue yet. I've I've only lived here like a year, or so I don't know how small or large it is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I grew up in San Diego. I grew up near San Diego. I went to school in San Diego. So oh, wow. uh, lots of yeah, like my family like. San Diego's are big show. San Diego's big shows for me because my whole family's there, and it's great. Uh, but no way, no. Soda bar, soda bar is so small and cramped to begin with. Like I trying to keep six feet apart. I don't even think with that stage I could stay six feet apart from, you know, the other half of the, like it's <laughs> it's. So I I don't know what's going to happen, and you know I think we're preparing. Like we're staying hopeful, and we're we're we're. The problem is, is that as soon as it is safe again, it's going to flood. And if you oh, haven't yeah. prepared, if you haven't prepared, you're not going to get your shows. And so, like, our booking agents are constantly working to make sure. Like, I've had people, I've seen people complain on the internet, like, how dumb or irresponsible do you have to be as a band to keep postponing shows this year or later in the year? Like, it's suddenly going to get better. And it's like, well, uh, dude, like, there's a lot of things at play besides just the band wanting to play live. Like, there's contracts and there's venues and there's like deposits and there's money involved that's already shifted and there's people that have already bought tickets. So like we're going to keep doing that game of pushing the dates to where it's safe or encouraging people to get their refunds when it's like, you know what I mean? When we're allowed to say that, but like, so we're, we'll be ready to tour when it's time, but we're also planning on like, we've, reconciled with the reality that we won't be touring until there's a readily available mass produced vaccine. Right. So 2022, <laughs> you know, late 2021, maybe late 2021, 2022. And that's, I mean, that's why we launched the Patreon was just to be like, we, we won't be out with people. And like that, our band's biggest attribute is being able to be out and connect with people and, and share this, this weird little thing that we've done. And so the next best thing to doing that is to just open ourselves up entirely on the internet and kind of uh, uh, grant like a level of sharing and a level of access that I would never normally do. And quite frankly, makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> but so does talking to somebody for an hour after a show and, and you know what I mean? Like all of this makes me uncomfortable. So that's probably a good thing. So let's just do it. Like, let's find a way to keep doing it if we can't physically do it for a year or a year and a half or whatever, you know? I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to ask you about that. You just launched your Patreon. Uh, tell the people listening, like you know, what what they get get from this. Like I know there's a few different tiers there. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of we spent we agonized 
because our biggest fear was giving like I had this idea over a year ago and I took it to the band and we kind of kicked it around and we're a little hesitant um, because again it makes us uncomfortable we don't want people to feel like they're not getting uh, anything worth their worth their money you know and even right now like we're releasing probably one major piece of content a week and I'm like is that enough are people gonna leave are they upset I'm like that's four things a month that's a lot of stuff from a band um, so yeah like it, it ranges from the bottom tier where we're gonna put up you know demos or unreleased versions of songs and I'll give the little stories behind them which we I'm trying to space those out because I don't have an unlimited amount um, and we'll be doing uh, we do a cover every month um, first, and it's chosen by the community. So the first month, uh, Nickelback's photograph was the cover of choice, and uh, it was awful and fun, and people had a good time with it. And we're doing some. Uh, so that's the first tier, and then you get asked, you get access to like a Discord community and all these different posts. And I, I like I'll wander around the house and film an acoustic song and post it. And then the next tier up, you get uh, live stream access, and we're like reimagining some songs of ours from the older albums kind of posting those up and then uh, merch discounts and then as you keep going up there's like exclusive merch uh signed lyric sheets uh and then at like the very very highest tier and uh, you get like there's like free tickets to shows and stuff like that and the very very highest tier it's like uh we're doing like a vinyl club for people where we're sending them our favorite albums uh every other month so like six six times per year you'll get something so each of us is going to do one month so curated by an individual member and then we all have to vote on the sixth month. Uh, it'll be like a free. It'll be like a death match of like who get like who gets to pick the last one. Um, and then we're doing that. And then we're also doing um, custom pressed seven inches for um, that tier in particular. And then talking about trying to expand that out for you know other people. But uh, like we're like one of one seven inches where we're like we'll pick a song and press it for you. Um, so yeah, we, we've got a lot. It's been a pretty wide range. It's been crazy um people have been coming to it which is great we're almost at 500 patrons it's been launched a few weeks uh i think we're like three weeks in which i did not expect that because that's people's hard-earned money coming out monthly um so it's been it's been incredible and the community that's already built up around it is maybe my favorite thing that we've done as a band um because i can just hop on the discord and somebody can be like hey what was that line in that song referencing and you know that's a bad example because I probably won't answer that. But if they're like, hey, what'd you guys eat for lunch? And I'll post a picture of like a stir fry that I made or something, you know, or like what podcast are you listening to or stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's been a good way to just like jump on and have, have fun with our fans and uh, kind of interact in a, new, in a new way that's both terrifying and also very exciting. Nice. It's really cool to hear. And speaking of that, the cover, uh, I don't know if you tweeted this specifically, but I... I actually kind of, I, it might have been a joke, but I think it'd be cool. You mentioned, someone on the official Spanish Love Songs Twitter mentioned that you ha- were hypothetically considering covering Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love. Yes, um, that was me. And that would be, I'd just like to say that would be very cool. And I nominate That Bonnie, was me. I nominate Bonnie from Stand Atlantic to be uh, the... Oh, uh, nice. That's the, a good suggestion. Miss Loud, if you will. That was the... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Meredith and I were driving to Minneapolis to pick up bicycles the other day i'm uh, i'm six foot six so like finding a bike is a difficult thing for me so we drove like four hours to get my bike um like remote picked it up from like a shop that like put it out for it it was an adventure um but when we were driving we were talking she posted the covers of the uh, so every month we post like six five or six songs that the community can vote on for us to cover the next month 
And so she was posting that day, and she had Meatloaf on there, and I was like, because, um, I, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's a great song. But I was like, I was like, we're not, I'm like, first off, that the edited version is four and a half minutes long. So, no. Like, that's already a long cover, and it's a duet midway through, or, you know, and I said, that one we need to, like, actually practice and, like, put some time into. So... I, I have to take it to the band, but my vision is to do the full 12 minute version yes. cover. Was... And then, um, you know, I asked for input on people and I, I got some responses, so I don't want to spoil it, but the person who I wanted to do it originally said she would do it. So I'm hoping that that lines up. Um, but we'll see. Cause I, it'll depend on how long it takes to get it done. It's a freaking 12 minute song. and like, Meredith's got to be like, and oh, like oh, all this, oh yeah, the, yeah. The piano on that. Is there's ridiculous. a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to do, and also I haven't asked the band yet um, because that's not going to be. I, I don't know if that'll be exclusive to the Patreon. I think I might put that out as like, we were born and did a twelve. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, see how crazy the band wants to go. That'd be, that'd be cool. You, I, see how bored we get. <laughs> I actually hope that happens. I would love to hear that. Um, thanks, thanks again for coming on here. This has been a lot of fun, of course. Dylan. Uh, of course. The last thing I want to do, kind of wrap things up, you know, with everything going on in the world, we've talked a lot about, you know, some dark stuff, some funny stuff. The climate in the U.S. right now. Is there anything you want people listening to know, like you'd like to say to the audience? Oh man, oh man, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Follow common sense. Follow common courtesy. Follow common empathy uh i've seen a lot of people not wearing masks in public here in iowa um and i just want to shout at them uh and i don't know just think about the person next to you and if 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 it's really worth you or them dying over something um you know that's a really bad way of putting it it's a confusing time i'd say like stay safe stay clean and try not to get sick or get anybody sick and think about how you can go about doing that in a productive way that like, uh, it's not hard to put on a mask. Like it might be an inconvenience, but it's not infringing upon your constitutional rights to wear a goddamn mask when you go to the bank, you know? Sorry, my mom works at the bank. She sent customers complaining about having to put on masks. And I just, I just want to be like, are you, are you dumb? Like, You sit here and complain about how things can't get back to normal, but you also won't do the things that will help mitigate this to maybe get back to some semblance of a normality. So, like, I don't know. Don't be a dick. That's maybe the best best advice for everybody. That's a great way to put it. And I would also add on to that. We don't have to fix everything at once. We were never broken. Life's just very long. Life is very long right now. All right. Well, thanks again. Oh, that should be my that should be my closing advice to everybody. Just quote the album. Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna steal, I'm gonna steal that. Just say brave faces, everyone. That's yeah, great. Brave faces, everyone. Uh, Perfect. Thanks again, man. Uh, I'll t- yeah, I, yeah. I, I hope to see you again. See you at the soda bar sometime, or maybe a different venue in San Diego. Who knows? Hell yeah, uh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Hang in there, man. It'll it'll happen again. It's just a question of when. Yeah, so. that's a good. We're one. not going anywhere. And- uh, we're doing. We're taking steps to not die, so we can keep doing this. So, awesome. All right, I'll talk Perfect. to you later, man. Thanks again. See ya. Peace.
reach for the guy to catch up But it's clear you're using I didn't have the guts to be a better friend But what's another ten grand gonna fix in the end? listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.